happy Halloween, everyone. You know what that means. Lots of Trump masks. That's very scary. But also, we're coming up on a very important tradition. No shave November. To look your best while not shaving, scotchporter.com slash Torre. That's S-C-O-T-C-H-P-O-R-T-E-R dot com slash T-O-U-R-E. Santi Gold is one of my favorite working artists for two reasons. First, her music is dancehall meets punk meets new wave meets awesome. Her first album came out 10 years ago. Her fourth came out a few months ago. And I'm always fascinated by the artistic choices she makes. The second reason Santi's one of my favorite artists is she's my friend. We've been friends for over 20 years and I love her and... I remember the first time I walked into her apartment and saw racks of musical equipment and records all over the place, and I was like, oh, I didn't know you were into music like that. Now she's a globally recognized, brilliant music maker who's toured all over and collaborated with giants. And I think one day, people will recognize her as one of the giants of modern music. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. It's Santi Gold. On Torre Show. I'm really proud of you, of Thanks. what you've become as a musician. You're Aww. an awesome musician. Thanks, Torre. Fourth, fourth album just <laughs> came out. I know. It was supposed to be a mixtape, but then it was an album, actually. Huh? Yeah. That last one. Tell me how you make music. What do you do? It's different every time, honestly. Um, well, it's actually the same and different every time. Like, for instance, for this last one, um, I don't want the Goldfire Sessions. I made it in like two weeks, and it was like a really light and easy process. I did it to all like beats that were already made, you know, with Dre Skull. And that was a very different process than like my typical process, um, which is. I guess there's two typical. One would be to start from scratch with someone, like making the music. Like you go in a room and you like turn on some instruments and you're just like, and you're like building. And then basically I build it up to I get to a point where I can write. I know I can I can hear melody, you know, um, which can be really bare bones. Like it can be just a drum beat and like a bass line. That's like my essentials. And then I'll be like, give me a mic. <laughs> it's like this urgent thing. And then my friend Doc, he calls it blacking out because then I'll just be like, I just go in a zone and I just sing melody, melody, melody. And then I'll be like, maybe like 10 minutes later, I'm like, I'm done. And then usually there's the song is there with no lyrics, with a couple words thrown in, which kind of like lead to the lyrics. You mean like you're doing a reference track for yourself or you're singing what the melody will be? Melody, which is a reference track to me because it's like I sing the melody sometimes it's like one take and it's the exact melody like every part of the song just one take laid down and then all I have to do is go back in write the lyrics and then record the lyrics sometimes you have to work really hard at it where the melody's not really like maybe you have melody with one part but it's not really working on this other part and in that instance you might have to just work really hard at the melody but then say it doesn't work then maybe you have to change the music in that section you know what I mean so sometimes it's a more laborious process um, and sometimes 
other times it's it's more like you hear like a beat that somebody's already made. Like when I say a beat, this is like kind of old school like terminology. Like just music production's already done. They have a track, and you're like, I love this. I can write to it. And then that's another time when it's kind of easy. So generally, rhythm first, and then you find the melody, and then you are finding the words. Yes. And the meaning. Chorus first. Uh. No, not necessarily. Um, usually when I do my little melody riffs, um, there's a, a, a word or something in there that sort of leads the idea of the song. So I don't have to be like, what's the song about? I'll just, like, for instance, like um, on my newest record, uh, Cuckoo Coo, I sang Cuckoo Coo. I was like, and you know, and it might have been, it just probably sounded like I said exactly what I ended up saying. And then I was like, oh, I like cuckoo I like how that sounds. So I was like, okay, so obviously that's a cat call, you know, <laughs> like, which made no sense. You know what I mean? It's obviously not. But in my head, I was like, well, it is, you know. Um, and so it just sort of writes itself in that way where you just get, like, some keyword that you like and then it sparks an idea. So that's why I always say that, like, the writing um, of melody and lyric, a lot of time it comes from – this other part of yourself or maybe not even from yourself, like you open it up, you're higher, you're like connected to something more than yourself and then it's just like you're a vessel and it just like comes sometimes. Um, and sometimes it's a very like thoughtless process in that in that way where it's just like you open up to let it happen and other times you're like digging for it, really digging for it. And um, like Disparate Youth, my song that took me like three months to write the lyrics because I just kind of just couldn't find it. I couldn't find it, you know, because sometimes it may be there, but you have to find it. It's it's interesting to have to be open to different sorts of avenues of this one, you feel like a vessel, right? And you just sort of find the lyrics, but then this time you have to like work really hard at it. Yeah. And you don't know which journey no. it's ever going to be. No. And then as you've been doing it longer and longer, you you really stop panicking because I think like I remember on my second record, I was so sort of panicked, you know, because the process was different than the first time. Mm. And um, as you do it more and more, you're like, OK, so like this is the process. And just if you relax, it's going to get done. And also it's going to be good. That is you so know? important. And I see that in my own creative work that Early on, it was like, oh, my God, am I going to come up with a thesis? Am I going to come up with a character? Oh, my God. And then if you've done it, you're like, I know I'm going to get it. And though I don't have it right now, it's fine. It's going to happen. And when you can get to that confidence in yourself and just that calm of knowing, like, it's going to come, you can not block your blessings. Exactly. Because that's what the whole people are like, do you ever get writer's block? And the block is actually your own anxiety about it. So if you can learn to just, like, put that aside. And actually, like, I don't force myself to work. Like, I know a lot of people are like, I write from this hour to this hour. Like, I don't do that. I'm like, first of all, it takes me, like, four hours to, like, wind down once I get in the studio into, like, writing mode, you know? I'll just be like, You're just hanging out for four hours. Hanging out. We do anything, you know, talking. I mean, sometimes it's less than four hours, but it could be. Um, recently, I've been working on a project with an uh, old friend of mine, and um, we only have four hours because I have twin babies. <laughs> So I'm like the most three kids. Yeah, yeah, and a four year old. Exactly. 
Um, but so I only have four hours. We're doing sessions from 12 to 4, right? I am so efficient. It's amazing. Like, I come in, and then I kind of, like, stress. I'm always hungry. I always don't have time to eat. I'm always like, oh, I'm so hungry. So we order food, eat, and then it'll be, like, an hour and a half, and I'll be like, oh, we haven't done anything. And he's like, we only need 10 minutes. Relax. Every day, right? And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. And then we get on the little, make our little music, which takes, like, t- two seconds because he knows me so well. Like, um, some people you know, that you've never worked with before. It takes a while to find the right sounds, you know, like let alone the right melodies, rhythms, whatever, but just finding the right drum sounds, the right uh, keyboard sounds and the right guitar sounds and the right vocal sound, which is like a nightmare for me sometimes. But if you work with people who like either really have a similar aesthetic or just kind of like know your style, they just nail it. So that's like takes that out of equation. That saves hours, you know, mm. or days. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so come in. And so literally it's like beep, 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 beep. And I'm like, OK, OK, give me a mic. And then it's like 10 minutes. And I'm like, OK, so I'll see you tomorrow. Like, right. seriously, that's it. It's like literally 10 minutes. We got the song. I'll see you tomorrow. You can do a song in a day. Um, I cannot finish lyrics and record it in a day. No way. OK. A lot of people can. If I was writing for someone else. Yes. You know what I mean? Because it's totally different. But two weeks? Two weeks, what, the whole record? Yeah. So you, so you weren't doing a song in a day. So what we did was, um, it was like kind of a magical situation because every track he played me, I'm like, I like that. I can write to that. I like that. So that was a great pairing because um, that does not happen a lot. So the, the music was there. So I was like, oh, cool. So I would go in the booth and do my little melody thing, and then we'd edit the melody and be like, this part goes there, this part goes there, this part goes there. And then um, we could do like a couple of those a day. So we spent a week doing that, and by the end of the week, I think we had like eight songs. And then I left, and then I wrote lyrics and then came back, and I would finish them up in the studio, and I was being really light because I was like, it's a mixtape. Yeah. You know, you know, I was trying to be really like – spontaneous and not overthinking that was the whole that was what this process was about um and so i do the lyrics and record and then the next day do the lyrics and record and so we kind of cranked that one out fast and then there was a couple things that were left to be done maybe another week of like tightening up redoing changing the lyric here or there doing some background vocals and that was once i can't got out to la i feel like the way that you use your voice like y- you just just it's just different just you you are good with like just just sort of utterances and like you know i, I don't even want to i like in my mind i want to like mimic it back to you so you <laughs> I know want what i'm you talking to about but i'm like it. no i'm not gonna do that because it's yours <laughs> do it but like you know like there's lots of uh-huh. and like E-e-e-e, and like the back of your throat sort of stuff and mm-hmm. like i i find that really interesting and i think it's really um it's a big part of black music of Michael Jackson and James Brown and just like those beyond verbal sounds that really become an important part of the track. Right. I mean, I love that stuff. Um, and I think all of the female vocalists who I have been really influenced by are people who really use that and really use their voice as an instrument. Um, yeah. And especially because I don't really play any other instruments. I mean, I can write on them, but I'm not... <laughs> Very good. So, like, my voice is my instrument, you know? So um, whether it was, like, you know, the female dance hall singers, like... Like who? Like Shelly Thunder with, like, Koof, you know? Or, like, Sister Nancy. Mm. Or... Bam, um, bam. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but she's got so many other ones where she's, like... She always starts out and, and 
and they always do like the little laugh and like you know it's just it's very much in Jamaican music but then you've got like uh, Amadou and Miriam you know where Miriam's got this just beautiful voice it's I always like the tonal really tonal sort of nasal African or like sort of Jamaican voices where because I felt like that's what my voice worked well as like I don't have an R&B voice I don't right. have like you know so I I really always like the tonal um quality in a voice where it's like kind of piercing you know and then um but even like um Cocteau Twins like Liz Frazier who she did those trills you know what does uh, that mean um uh, where she's like, eh, you know, like, That's you know, stuff, stuff like that. that. Or, um, I mean, Kate Bush or uh, I love beautiful high, high voices. I have a high voice and I like to mm-hmm. play with it. I don't bring it out that much. But like on Go, for example, I'm doing this like operatic, like super high in the background. And I like being able to use like all the different parts of a voice. And also I get bored as an artist. So it's fun for me to be like as many different people as I can throughout a record, you know. Yeah. So I get to use all the different parts of my voice um, to do that and try and think. Um, it really is an instrument punk for rock. you. Like, I remember when I had my band Stiffed, everybody was always comparing me to Dale Bazio, the missing persons and her. The I don't remember what I used to do all the time. But, like, you know what I mean? There's just, like, so many cool women who did all this cool stuff with their voices, and I just always was listening. Yeah. Who are some of the Jamaican gods dance hall gods who you look up to because you've really dis- taken a lot from dance hall um, and made it your well, really own. All, and, all reggae and all Jamaican music, I think, has yeah. been really influential. Um, you mean like everybody, not just women, like everybody? Yeah. Um, well, I grew up listening to a lot of the stuff in my house because my dad listened to it. And I mean, it was just like my dad was really into like the black power movement. Like, <laughs> you know, so it was like at that time that music was so topical and like powerful and so you know whether it's like burning spears steel pulse black uhuru bob marley all that stuff is just like you know just deep 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 in my body do you know what i mean i listen to it so much as a child and then um i mean everything from i just always liked it we all we used to go to jamaica every year from the time i was like 10 to like as a family, maybe like 14, 15, and then I started going by myself like 18, 19, and here I am still going. Now I have a place out there. I, I literally like... You have a place in Jamaica? Mm-hmm. I, I love it. You Where? know, In Portland. And so, um, so I just always have been really into the music and the culture, and it was so different from everything else in the world. You know, it's such a unique thing. And then because I think I'm so... Um, connected to just bass and drum relationships and like syncopated rhythms Um, whether it's like African music or Jamaican music to me it's always been one of the most resonant for me with how I how I experience music and so um, you know whether it's the dance hall that you grew up to at the clubs you know whether it's like what Sister Nancy or Bougie Bantan or um, Shaba Ranks or Beanie Man or, mm. I mean, you go on forever. Even Sean Paul, the first one to port them, was one of my favorite songs, like, ever. And um, then there's all the women, like Sister Carol, Sister Nancy, and, like, Shelly Thunder. And um, and then there's, let's see, oh, obviously Lee Perry, the producers who, like, created yes. the sound. You yes. know, there's Lee Perry and there's, like, um, I don't know, 
I mean, I guess it all started with Bob Marley too. I mean, when my first CD sure. was like, Afri- what is it called? Survival mm-hmm. and Africa Unite. I used to love it. I mean, because I used to listen to lyrics as a kid, you know, and so I think I learned harmony from the I3s. Like seriously, okay. like I would study their harmonies and just now like harmony is like second nature because I think I'd, I'd just sing harmony to songs, you know, same with like the Smiths. I would make up my own harmonies because Morrissey's voice is not in a key that I sing easily. So I would like harmonize throughout the whole song. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, that's not Jamaican music. Well, no, but <laughs> but that's like the other half yeah. of you musically, this new wave stuff, which yeah. seems different than the reggae background. Right. And you sort of mix them in this really interesting way. So what is the new wave part of you? Where does that come from? And how does it, how do you mesh it? I mean, it's a, it's a, you sort of stand on top of both of those traditions mm-hmm. and mix them in a really interesting way? Well, I mean, I grew up listening to all kinds of music in my house. So, so my dad listened to, like, every kind of black music, you know, whether it was Nina Simone or Fela Kuti or Marvin Gaye or, you know, The Temptations, everything. And then my sister, who was three years older than me. Simone. Simone. <laughs> um, she was a really cool 14-year-old. I remember she had every record and... Um, so she introduced me to like Bad Brains and um, Bauhaus and um, Suicidal Tendencies and, you know, um, Jimi Hendrix, Joni Mitchell, uh, Suzanne Vega, um, just Banana Rama, like all the Fishbone, you know, like all the other stuff that was going on. And then at school, there was The Cure, Talking Heads, um, the Beatles, because we didn't listen so to that in my Philly house. prep school, Philly private school. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, then on my own, this was like hip hop era. So it was like right. Salt and Pepper, Ella Cool J, Queen Latifah, Public Enemy, De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest. You know what I mean? Just going on forever. So that was like everything but like country music and, <laughs> you know, which I found later. Um, but so I think that I naturally really like the sort of punkier stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and to me, that included reggae and, like, punk and new wave. I liked, like, Devo is, like, one of my favorite bands of all times, and their stuff is, like, melodic. I love melody. But then you've got all these, like, it was, like, new technology punk rock, do you know? And mm-hmm. I really love, like, angular uh, um, styles of playing and really raw sounding instruments, dull drums, dead drums, and like, you know, like really like guitars that are just like, can you curse on this show? Yeah. Yeah, just like, <laughs> just like fucked up sounds. Like yeah. I just like that. I've always liked that. And I feel like that's something shared by like anything Lee Perry was doing was fucked up sounding and anything The Clash was doing was fucked up sounding, obviously, because they're probably drawing from Lee Perry too. But yeah. they're also drawing from like all the punk rock stuff, you know? Um, so... I think that in that way, that's kind of something that ties those two genres together is like the sort of the attitude, first of all, which was kind of like a little bit like anti-establishment, but like fight, fight, fight for for what we for 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 you to like be expressing your real true self. And like, you know, just I don't know. Um, I just I related to the sentiments that sort of were underlying in those things. And then. Like, even Devo, like, their lyrics are always, like, making fun of, like, 
wax social uh, trends and social commentary that was like very smart and very um, true, yeah. you know. Uh, but but the melodies were so poppy and like, but the music was so weird. And so I, I think all that stuff is stuff that I I relate to. And so anyway, everything from that I was listening to from Joni Mitchell, who's one of my favorite songwriters of all time, to Amazing. Bad Brains to Nina Simone, who's like the best melody inventor, you know, um, it just all found its way into all the music that I've been making. To me, Nina Simone is the best singer of all time because she has a way of making me feel that is beyond anybody else. I know she's not the technical level of the right. Whitney Houstons, and but like... I I feel so deeply. Right, because she felt deeply when she was singing. You can feel it 100%. Like one of my favorite songs is um, Plain Gold Ring by Mm -hmm, her. mm -hmm. And she starts out with this long, basically like guttural, like um, sort of cry. Do you know what I mean? It's also like brilliant. Like the progression of the notes is like, whoa. But it's just like this long, like beautiful, beautiful trail of emotion you know and i think that that's why she's such a powerful artist and she's so um raw and sort of unbridled with it as well i'm curious to hear you talk a little bit about dance hall like bomb bomb is one of my favorite songs sister nancy one of my favorite songs of all time uh. i don't really even know why i like it so much what, oh, it's really good. What is and and and, and, and she's like, well, I did that in five minutes. It was improv. Like, what 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 do you when you hear that song? Uh, you know, as just an expert on on dance hall and and, and reggae. And, <laughs> I don't know if I'm like, an expert. Well, I mean, you know, like not a historian, but you make right, right. music uh-huh. and you understand the music. I mean, like, what what is so great about that song? Honestly, it's exactly what you think is great about that song. What makes a song great is the way that people feel a song. And honestly, I think it's like one of the sexiest songs ever made, honestly. And I think people like dancing to that song because it was such a like sexual dance that you would do to that song. And at the club when you're a teenager and you go and you, that song come on, you better find who you want to dance with because that was the song. And that's, that's why, I mean, so you can relate to it on a physical level. You know, like people listen to music because it makes them feel, Yeah. you know, and it's it's any it's beyond words. It's beyond what they're saying. It's beyond anything that you can, you know, um, um, think, you know, grasp yeah. in your brain. Yeah. It's like it it does something to your body and your your spirit. Yeah. And I think that when you try to understand why a song is so great, I mean, the answer lies there more than anything else. Your song, is it Superman? Uh-huh. From, was it the first album or the My second Superman. Album? Was it the first album? First album. I mean, that song makes me feel so much. It Aww. makes me feel this sort of power and this sort of like rising, just, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's so much, and I feel I feel like I see like a giant sort of taking these big steps and like feeling really good about himself, and like that song stands out for me. That's one of those songs I can kind of like now see what songs you uh, like, what what moves you in music by you saying stuff like this. Um, but that song I probably wrote in ten minutes, and that song was mostly because that beat made me feel a certain way, and it was just. Hey, hey, hey! You know, and it was just like, just like very what you're saying. It was I felt that way. I felt power in it, and I felt 
um, the music moved me to sing in ways that I wouldn't even like. It, there was no thought involved in that song at all, mm. and it was mm. quick. So it was like an impulse that got captured, and that's what's cool. So like when you can get out of your way, yeah, and remove the conscious and just sort of, and it can be. Yeah, and I think that's kind of when the best music happens a lot of the time. Um, who be loving? Who uh, be loving me? It's another one <laughs> on the other side. Of my that. <laughs> favorite songs of yours. It's it's just like bright and happy, and it's 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 arch and ironic, and it's like here's smart Santi like putting a message, but not overpowering the song, and like. Well, I I did that with McConan, and I think that one of his special talents is like he's so um, good at at quick melodies that are very um, simple and catchy, uh-huh. you know. And also, he kind of reminds me of like um, that song is it kind of reminds me of like an old Bismarcky or Bismarcky song sure. or something like that, sure. where it's just like so simple and silly and so melodic that you just want to s- sing along to it, you know. So I tried to sort of like match his level on that. You know what I mean? Just something simple, but I don't know. And I always like, whenever I get a chance to kind of do like a rappy thing, I kind of just, I just want to be like Trina. (laughs) 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 I try to go really fast. I get really excited. <laughs> what what made you think going back to when you're like teenager, right? You know, what made you think, oh, I could be a recording artist? Right. I actually never had that thought as a teenager. Um, I used to write raps all the time and I loved it and I think I just for fun, really I wrote raps and I wrote poems and it was all the same to me. I right. just wanted to write ideas down and um, but I, I think the thought of performing at the time was like really terrifying. I, I had a solo when I was 15. It was a disaster because I didn't want it. The chorus teacher made me have it. The song was Mary Had a Baby. <laughs> and I literally like hid behind the paper, was like shaking. And my parents came and they're like, how did you get the solo? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but um, But I did actually like performing. When it was silly, because like we would be in talent shows and I would do stuff and it was like so much fun. So it wasn't that I was necessarily scared to be in front of people, but I think I thought trying to sing was like for some reason embarrassing because you had to try. You know, I don't know what where that came from, but um, I wanted to own a record company is what I wanted to do because I loved music and I loved like new music and finding new music. So I started doing all these internships at record companies um, a and R at Sony for a little while. Yeah, yeah, and um, and in doing that job, I signed someone to um, an EP, and it was this artist named Reese. And then I wanted it to be different than everything out, and I couldn't think who could possibly write it, the songs like that. So I was like, I'll just write them, you know. And it was really like I just want to write them so How we I get do. this done. Yeah, it was a great album. Well, so I wrote the demo, and then they were like, "This is cool. I mean, do you think it could be a little bit more like?" P. Diddy, like, you know what I mean? I was like, no. no. And so I left and I ended up just writing that record and executive producing that record. And then um, from there, because still it was like I was writing the songs and I realized I like writing melodic songs. And then, um, but it was someone else singing and it was someone else producing and it didn't come out exactly like it was in my head. So then I was like, well, I really want to hear 
songs the exact way that they are in my head. So it was really the art that pushed me to just had to do it just because I wanted the art to be exactly like I wanted it, you know? And so that's why I actually started singing because I just because you wanted, wanted to be to exactly. hear it yeah. the way it was. And did something in you say, you can't do that? Or did you just go past that? <laughs> I just remember. I don't have this memory of like singing to my dad. And I was like, dad, I can sing. And I sang the song and he's like, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there was something Aww. inside of me at some point that thought I could do it. Um, but then when I first did my first uh, stiff songs, I, I remember saying, I'm just going to make a record, but I'm never going to perform. You know? Okay. And, and then a uh, guy, Chuck Trees, who did that uh, record and also ended up playing with Stiff for years. He was a drummer. He's amazing and kind of came from like punk rock, just sick musician. He's like, are you seriously saying that you're going to, write a punk influence record and not perform it and i was like <laughs> yeah two days later i was like on stage and then i realized that it was like my favorite thing to do to be on stage no my favorite thing to do was to perform punk rock music okay that was fun to be on stage doing punk was cool that was amazing why because there was just it was the whole experience was almost out of body like the whole thing was like the music's so fast and it's so fun and so energetic that like it didn't matter what you were doing. It didn't matter. You didn't think about singing. There was no in-ears. Ugh. There's no in-ears. There's no there's, track. There's no in-ears? See, nowadays, everything's got on in-ears, in-ear monitors. So, so we have our own mix going into our ears. Okay. So right, right. we see people with yes. earbuds in their ears on stage. That's called in-ears. I didn't yes. know that. Okay. And it just absolutely takes you out of the experience. It's really? like turns it into this technical thing. For me, I also have like bionic hearing, honestly. What does that mean? It means like the bionic man, like superhuman hearing. <laughs> what, what does it mean like you can hear further, deeper? I can just hear everything, like every detail. Like I, there's so many times where, you know, I'm working with like a mixer and they're like, oh, uh, you won't even hear this. And I'm like, it sounds completely different, you know? And they're like, are you serious? And at first they think I'm kidding. But as they work with me, they're like, you can hear everything. And they're like, you need to like do um, speaker reviews. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like this one sounds slightly like I so can that's hear your everything. That's your superpower. It is my superpower. But it's also like, it's also my kryptonite. Because when I'm performing, you don't want to hear that much detail. Like when you're performing. Because it takes you out of your performance. You know, so um, it's it's easier because it, it saves your voice if you're performing a lot. You're not yelling over like monitors and sound. But monitors outside of your ears, like the ones on stage, are so much more forgiving. So you get just general experience. You know, you hear the crowd. You put an in ears. You don't even hear the crowd. They have to mic the audience so that the the audience, you can barely hear them like, yay. Like you can't even, it's just like putting you in a box. You what know? are you hearing in the in ears? Everything. You hear all your music. If I wanted to, I could hear a click, but I do not want that. But like the musicians that play, they, they play to a click. So it keeps everybody on beat. It's just very technical, you know. And then also um, I hear uh, whatever reverbs, uh, whatever effects that I want on my voice. But then, unfortunately, you hear all that coming back into the mic in the room. So you also hear the room sound. So, like, if you're in, like, a tin room or a circular room or, like, whatever, you're getting all that back through your mics, back through the effects, and it can just get really, like, murky and crazy and, like, so. So you do not wear them. I do wear them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, like, ruining everything. But I just feel like if I don't, then you can lose your voice. 
you know, which I ha- which I also struggle with. So, but back in the stiff days, my old band, punk rock, no in ears, and it was just like. I mean, it was just like you just get to jump, 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 crazy sweat. Like, I mean. The freedom of punk. Oh, my God. And there was no, you know, live streaming. You could look crazy. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? No one cared. Like, it was just like you had to be there. It was amazing. So that's when I was like, okay, I like performing. You know, and then it turned into like Santi Gold later, which is so different. I mean, we're to click. We've got tracks running with live. With this, everything has to be locked. So there's not much freedom to like move within because you you know you've got so many different things happening um but it's also fun because now i have choreography and now you know costumes which none of that well so i love the artistic um opportunity that comes with with santi gold for example because i get to do like you know costumes choreography and like props there's so much going on on stage yeah and that's so much fun and we wouldn't have had that with with stiff but um it's very rare that i get to like just unleash in the way that like i used to but no i love seeing you on stage you are there's so much of you it's not like we just showed up and rocked out like we have our dancers with the choreography and we have like you said the, the you know the styling is on and then there's so much going on and then there'll be a video aspect yeah and I always love that part of your whole the whole Santi Gold thing, and that's fun. I really enjoy that too because it gives it gives me an opportunity to do more than just music. Because I just I never really thought of myself as a musician. I just really think of myself as an artist. So the fact that I get to like play in all those different mediums is like makes it kind of worthwhile. An artist, so right. So you are you the? I mean, you are the the painter and the painting in that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And I direct a lot of my videos too. So it's like you know, just I just keep kind of broadening the scope because it keeps me entertained you know i think it's really important as an artist to be easily bored because it keeps you looking for something new and different and searching right yeah definitely did you develop the bionic ears or was it just always like that i think i must have had them i think my son has them the (laughs) (laughs) four-year-old it's just interesting like the relationship to music i feel like it you might be like born with it and, and, and I'm sure it develops you know with all the music listening that I've done but like I mean it's just to watch this little four year old and like his I, I remember songs that I learned when I was five I remember recorder song melodies they play in my head all the time like I don't even know what songs they are it's like strolling along in the still of the morning I saw up and I'm like what, what? <laughs> where is this coming come from? from you know and I, they don't go away and I feel like it's like the music is like muscle memory. Like it just takes, it just, and I, I see that my son, he remembers every melody. He remembers, every, you know, everything that you don't even know. He's listening. He, the other day, he's like, I was like, are you singing? I want them baby back, baby back. And he's like, the commercial. And I was like, oh my God. It took us like both like 10 minutes. We were like, I started singing it with him. I was like, he's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, what is that? And we're singing it and we're like, chilies. <laughs> you know? It's a, it's a good song, the chilies. song. I mean, we, well, we had to look it up on YouTube because like, what is it? And then I just, because I just remembered the word baby back because I was like, it's, because I don't even think, I don't even know if that, those words made it into the new version of the Chili song. So we looked it up. We're like, this is it on YouTube, like jam back, into baby it. Back, baby yeah. Back. <laughs> <laughs> 
We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. We do everything we can to take care of our family and make sure that they have everything they need. You can't tell me that you're taking care of your family and everything they need if you don't have life insurance that will take care of them after you're gone. God forbid something happened to you, you should still be able to take care of your family. Policy Genius is the easiest way to get life insurance online. In just two minutes, you can compare quotes from all the insurers and find the cheapest policy for you and the best policy for you. When you compare quotes, you save money. It's that simple. You know the deal. Four million people have shopped for insurance on Policy Genius, and it's not just life insurance. It's disability insurance, renter's insurance, health insurance. If you care about it, they cover it. Look, prices are at a 20-year low, 
Policy Genius makes it easy to get the right policy. Go to policygenius.com, get quotes, apply in minutes. You can do it on your phone. It's the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. Policy Genius. Take care of your family, even if you're not here to take care of them. Is it hard being a woman in the biz? I think it's a little hard being a woman in the world. And God, I'm realizing, man, like with all the stuff going on, um, I mean, we all experience the things, but like there's definitely a level of like it gets like normalized in a way. It's like this is part of my experience, just like being a black person in America. I mean, there's certain things that you don't really like. It's part of being an experience that you don't really like look at it, you know? Yeah. Uh, You're just like, yeah, this sucks, is whatever. But then, man, as like the stories are coming out of the woodworks where you're just realizing all the things that like have happened to your friends and family and like, um, yeah, being a woman in America is very interesting and being a woman with a career is very interesting and being a woman in music is also very interesting. You know, it's challenging. Um, A lot of times you're with a lot of men and music um like if i see a female engineer i'm like hey right right <laughs> you know um but you know there's there's things like um uh, i remember being like a 17 year old and you know having internships and having like the heads of the record companies come up and like touch my legs and like you know stuff like that and then um i remember having older women be pretty mean to me too you know, because really? there's like so few spots, you know what I mean? Mm. And you see people come up and um, and I've always been sort of like a tomboy, um, yeah. but also like a girl's girl yeah. at the same time. So I do yeah. really well with a bunch of guys and I always have. And um, I think in music, I've always kind of been around a lot of guys like I remember like rap ciphers you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> like, and I'd be like freestyling like the only girl and so there was a little bit of like pride that was like I'm the only girl that can hang you know sure um but but at other times you definitely have to encounter like a lot of sort of condescending patronizing macho craziness like I remember one time doing a sound check and the guy says something crazy and like, luckily, I have a wonderful. I've had for years like a wonderful team with me, um, that travels with me, and we all like know and love each other very much. So I don't have to even say anything half the time because my whole crew is like, huh? <laughs> like the other recently, I had somebody try to tell me what reverb was, and I was like, I'm sorry. Like <laughs> men explain things. To yeah, me. <laughs> and so like my whole crew, like it was we were all in a room and everybody just put their head down silently. <laughs> Like everybody heard it was like, oh, who's going to explain <laughs> reverb to a professional musician on her fourth album? I, I like, mean, it was just on. like, I mean, but, you know, um, but you've told me this in the past. Like, I, I remember you saying I've been in my sessions yeah. <laughs> that my budget is paying for yeah. and men are talking down to me or rejecting my ideas and like. You know that this is my session. Yeah, but see, nowadays, I mean, there's so many, and actually forever, um, there's so many instances where the female artist shows up and is like sort of like ushered around, like, the song has been written for you, this is done for you, this is all you have to do is sing and look cute and like whatever. So, you know, they might be used to that Mm. because it still is rare to have a woman who actually produces anything. Right. Um, It's not that common. Um, So when you walk in, they don't really know what to expect. 
Luckily, it doesn't really happen to me so much anymore in my zones because I choose who I work with. Right. And um, so the people that come in, they know me. They know a little bit about me. But I've definitely had situations where I go, you know, outside of my comfort zone and try writing with like some songwriter, you know, um, for something. And they're just like, it goes awry. I don't have much tolerance when it comes to that. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, You've made a really interesting career for yourself, right? And you're not, you're making awesome albums, but you're not selling a ton of albums, but you're making it with touring and placements, right? Like yeah. TV and commercials. Talk mm-hmm. about how you've made this career path. Well, I think that like when my first Santi Gold record came out, it was right when like MySpace was kind of starting out right. and music um, how music was listened to and uh, found and digested was changing drastically. Because um, growing up in like, I don't know, the 90s, you bought records, you bought CDs, yes. and that was how you consumed yes. music. You collected music. Yes. It was like you chose your friends by what music they listened to. It was very different. And, um, you know, you didn't have everything right in front of you either. So it was like a big deal if you knew different kinds of music and stuff like that. So I think once um, music started being uh, accessible digitally and like on the computer and sort of pushed in your face, then you got people listening to a lot of different music across genres, which my music actually happened to be kind of right in the front of that because it was kind of genreless at a time Mm -hmm. where that hadn't really existed before. It was like this kind of, what kind of music are you, you know? And if you didn't fit in a box, you were kind of like, you don't fit, goodbye. Right. Which I think kind of stiff didn't fit in a box in an era where, you know, it suffered for that. You know, it was like, oh, this is black woman singing kind of like punk rock music. Like that won't work, you know? Won't work on radio, you know? And it was like, goodbye. Um, But then sort of moving into this era, it was like it could work because all of a sudden, like, people actually were just listening to music across genres and they didn't really care anymore about genre. They weren't really buying it and they weren't really collecting it and choosing friends. But You know what I mean? It was like we all listen to all this stuff. So that was important. Um, And then, so I think that's kind of like how it even squeezed through the cracks, you know, and, and got got any attention at all is because it was at the right moment I think and then um people stopped buying music so it was like well how how are you going to make a living which is still a question in music you know especially with streaming and like the disproportionate amount of um earnings that artists actually get on that stuff um but in the 90s if if people's music was in commercials like it better be a really cool look because, like, it yeah. was looked down upon. Yeah. Um, but, but then that shifted. It shifted 100% because at this point, if no one's buying music and you're not going to, you're too weird to be played on, like, mainstream radio, then how are people going to hear your music? So all of a sudden, uh, uh, licensing became a, a big deal because, you know, yeah, your song might be in, like, a car commercial, but now all these people just heard your song and that's how they're, they would never have heard it. And, and, so, a, and a lot of people became aware of your music right. through a commercial, an appearance movies, on a TV show. A lot of movies, TV shows. Um, so that became like modern radio in a way yes. um, for artists like me. who, Because I mean like mainstream radio, you can hear like the same like, 10 artists all the time. Um, so you have to figure out like how are people going to hear my music? 
and uh, some movies, TV, commercials. It works. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember there being a sort of shift in that early to mid-90s period. I remember KRS-One doing a Nike commercial, and everybody who really cared about hip-hop was, like, looking down on him for selling out and being part of a Nike commercial. Right. And then it seemed like five minutes later, it was, well, we actually accept these are the rappers for doing St. Ides commercials. Right. And then the Sprite commercials came out, most deaf in them. And it was like, well, we really like those. Right. right? And when LL did the FUBU ad, did the Gap ad, right? I think of it as FUBU ad, right? Uh. They did the Gap ad, but he mentioned FUBU. We're like, we like that. And when artists were getting more creative and being allowed to do what they wanted with this ad space, then it was like, oh, well, this is just an extension of their art. And then you, at the timing you're coming along, you start to benefit from that of like, oh, it's okay to do an ad because she's it's part of her art and she's expanding her palette rather than selling out. Well, I think it's different if you're doing a commercial where you're like featured in the commercial and it's like that might be part of your art. But if it's like they're using your song in like a commercial, I don't know if I would even think of it like that much as my art, like I, other than like providing the soundtrack to the thing. It really has nothing to do with my art, honestly, except for that now people know the song. Hmm. If I was um, somehow directing the commercial or if I was um, in the commercial, that's different, you know? Mm -hmm. But honestly, you're like lending your music to become soundtracks for stuff. And as long as it's like, you know, you just got to make sure it's something that you feel okay with. The other thing you talked about, um, about the the expansion of music from when you had to purchase um, to when everything was available to everybody all the time. Right. There used to be, I felt, a sense of monoculture in that we were living in a singular culture and we were listening to the Michael Jackson album at the same time or we were listening to Biggie's album at the same time and we could talk about it. And it sort of, things sort of exploded to where nobody is listening to the same thing at all. And I'm like, hey, I'm into this little rapper that you've never heard of, and you're into this little new wave artist that I've never heard of. And like, where do we can't even really communicate and talk and find common ground around, right? It's just like harder to find community around culture in the same way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's interesting. I never thought of that um, in that way at all. Um, yeah, I guess... There's always community too, though, because because um, the internet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you can always find community, but at the same time, you're right. There's so much. There's so much, and it's so much overload that like there's like hardly anything that like permeates. You know what I mean? We're, we're like everyone. You know, like everyone's talking about Kanye right now. You know, everybody. Is yeah, talking- but not because of his music. No, but like, but even still, like you know, there's like these one these little moments where like something captures everybody's attention, you know? And then even that is, like, short-lived, you know? So it's, like, um, so it's weird. For for music, it's had this weird effect of, like, quantity over quality. Mm -hmm. So because uh, you can't really capture everybody's collective attention, um, because it's hard to, like, get people to focus or, like, form a community around... Not only do you have to put out like so much stuff, you know, to like just keep relevant at all. Um, so unfortunately, I feel like the quality of, of music that we're getting is like it's it's suffering because we're not getting another Aretha, we're not getting another Michael Jackson, we're not getting it because that takes time and cultivation. 
you know, and now everyone's like throwing out these records, throwing out. I just got to have some shit out. Got to have some shit, you know. But then also, um, like, just making music isn't enough either because then you've got to have content. Because you can't you can't just have it something to listen to. You got to see something, and then you got to do something. You got to have a an event about it. You know what I mean? It's like so it it becomes like really overwhelming for an artist too. Because you're like, I just want to make music, like you know what I mean, or like do the other stuff that I want to do. But I remember my last record. I finished my record. I handed it in, and we spent six months working on content for the release. That was all released in like a week and then it was done. Meaning video. Videos, little mini commercials, this like stuff that looked like this, this, you know, just stuff to look at, like, because you can't just release music and it's like. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Torrey thrive market dot com slash Torrey on March 16th 2000 two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta Jamil Alamine a Muslim leader and former black power activist was convicted but the evidence was shaky and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial my name is mostly secret and when I started investigating this case in my hometown I uncovered a dark truth about America from tinderfoot tv campside media and iheart podcasts radical is available now Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and you can't just release, like, a music and a video. You know, it's got to, you've got to have so much just to catch, like, a second of attention, you know? So it's it's created all these weird things where I feel like um, it's, like, getting flooded with more and more and more things to look at, to listen to, you know what I mean? Like, stuff that, that's, like an animated video of like of this like moving head going up and down they just, because no one will listen to the song unless they have a little animated head to look at while they listen to the song it's just like crazy you, you feel know? overwhelmed by that yes i hate it it seems like you revel in it because you, like, you're, you're this artist or the capital a i i i always felt like you enjoyed you can't that. make that much good stuff that fast you know, it's the it's the speed. Like, keep in mind, I've put out records every four years. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Why do you take so long? <laughs> exactly. But it's because, like, okay, so the first record, I put out a record. I toured for two years. I was on the road for two years. You know, I came home. I made another record in a year. And then it's, like, set up, you know? So it's, like, it doesn't come out right when you finish it. So, you know, six months later. You know what I'm saying? So it only took me a year and a half to make the record. But then, like. And you're like, not really going to make a record while you're touring. That's, no, that's I can't hard. do that. Yeah. yeah. See, people that can do that, uh, some people can do that. I'm not going to say what people can do. Some people but can. It's a lot easier, too, when, when, like, if you're an artist where other people are writing the songs. 
like these see i think a lot of that that came from these pop artists who their their process is 100% different you know and so they set the bar like you release records this frequently da da, da cuz it's doable i mean they like they might have to like go to a studio and sing some songs and my comes like we got all these songs which ones you know just go just go record the songs that's it you know what i'm saying so of course you can make records that fast or if you're a self-contained band, everybody's here. Everybody's there. Everybody can everybody's play. Like, yeah. You have a different lift. Yeah, I mean, everybody's different, too. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but for me, it was impossible. Um, but also, so, you know, the amount that you have to do, I love doing lots of different things, but I like doing them well, and I like thinking about it, and I like making sure it's going to come together well. And it's like, I'm talking, like, the pace is what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, the the pace of having to do it quickly is overwhelming. I feel like you did all of that really well with your third album, right? And you had what, what, Master of Make Believe? Yeah, and you had no ninety nine cents. Yeah, ninety nine cents. That's you, the one that had to, I had to wait six six months um, to put it out because I had to do content for six months first. But you you had a great video that yeah. had a great concept of you can put yourself in the video, which we had not seen before. So everybody was no, excited. I about worked that. so hard on it. I worked so hard, and guess what? It was my worst performing album. It was the one that like so. It's like you do all this work, you put your heart and soul into you, and then it's like in two days, everyone's like, "Look what she did!" You know, next. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, do you you work so hard? And it's just like. So what happens is, is like you're like, if I have to do all that, and now I have three children, you know, that's why this next one was a mixtape. That because like, I was quick, like, quick, 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 and no one cares. They like people probably like this one better. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like no one cares. You do all this work, you try to make everything perfect. So I'd rather do that on my own time. Like I'd rather like just be like, okay, like maybe I'll keep putting stuff out, but maybe I'll put a song out at a time. That's what people are doing now because. Yeah. The payoff for making an album is pointless. You know, nobody listens to music like that. Um, nobody's attention span lasts that long. They just look into the next thing. So it's like, it's almost like I kind of figured out last time, like, don't spend all that time doing that anymore because actually, like, it's really not appreciated that much, you know? So maybe, I'm not saying I'll never do it again. Right. But, like, maybe I'll just do some songs, some EPs, just because that's where, that's where people's attention spans are. And it's like, then maybe I'll have some time to do some more other stuff. But like trying to do these whole albums and all this artwork and all this, is, it's just like, I mean, even like, like when Kanye, for example, just put out the, the record with no cover. Right. You, I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure, make it a statement. But also it's like, you don't have to think of a cover. <laughs> <laughs> took me a day. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I felt like you see I mean you seem to you seem to do it with such gusto and it seems that you really enjoy all of that. I and, do enjoy it. I don't enjoy the expected um time frame that's supposed to happen in. Mm. I really do enjoy it, you know, but I don't like having to do it like in this like pressure cooker, you know, to like just constantly like have something, have something. You run out of time. Oh, you take it so long. What are you doing? You know, I don't like that. So, so uh, another album in twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two. No, I've already started um, something really cool. I'm Your really next album? About, yeah, I've really, I'm really excited about something. I'm already. Uh, I'm, what are you yeah. doing? I don't know. I'm not gonna tell you yet. But like, but tell me a little. No, I'm just making music. I'm just making some music that I'm really excited about, um, and it's going quickly. So I don't, I don't know. Hopefully it will finish quickly, but I just like the twelve to four sessions I was telling you about. Uh-huh. That's for new music that I was I've been doing for so. a twenty nineteen album. 
no that I have no date on it. I just like I've been doing it. I kinda like that it's going quickly. I don't want to overthink it again. I like I was inspired by my last process. Two weeks. Yeah. I'm like I'm not saying like that's the th- I don't want to put like it has to be done or whatever, but I like that. I like the lightness. I like how it felt and I only really did that because um, I wanted to have kids. And I was like, I need, I'm old and I need to have some family. Stop, stop. <laughs> and I was like, let me just put something out. You know, it'll be a fun mixtape. But then it just, we just wrote so many songs fast. So I was like, oh, it's a record. It's, I don't feel like uh, this one, like I listened to it, it doesn't feel like, oh, she rushed. No, that's the thing. It didn't really. Seems qua- qualitative. I mean, if I went on in on it with my with my brain, like my you know my like analytical brain, the overthink brain, I can definitely like be like I would have done this distance, but I actually like wouldn't let myself um, attach those thoughts to it because that was part of my process for this. It was like you're not going to allow yourself to do this. You're going to just this is something different, which is why I called it the Goldfire Sessions. I was like, this was a moment in time, like recorded. You know, it was like, this is what we're doing right here, right now in the sessions. It's and really it valuable as an artist to have that, like, let me cut off my over-analytical, overthinking mind, that part of the mind, and just, like, release. Exactly. And that's was, that was the lesson and the challenge for me in that project. And I think I learned something from it. So uh, moving forward, let's see what I do with it. But I'm definitely going to take elements of that into future work for a little while. What drives you? Hmm. It drives me. I don't know. I think I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Um, and I'm never, ever achieving anywhere close to what I think is perfect. So I'm always like, okay, do it again. Do it again. You know, but I also love it. Like I also, um, when I am in the process of making music, it feels like the best feeling. Like the feeling that we all we choose things in our life that make us feel this way, you know, whether it's swimming in the ocean, whether it's snowboarding, whether it's making music, whether it's meditation. I feel the same doing all those things as I do when I'm making music um, in the moment, in that 10 minute moment. Then when you got to mix, when you got to do videos, when you got to do all that stuff, it gets like stressful, torn, gets stressful. But like that, that one, the creative part, I love it. So I'll probably always do that. Um, but also, I don't know, the same thing that got me singing in the first place. I, I get these ideas in my head, and I know I'm the only one that could do them, and I really want to do them. So it's that simple. It's like I keep getting ideas all the time, and I want to see the ideas. I need I love, to see the ideas. I love that you said, I'm the only one who could do them. And you've said that a couple times. You said that after the Reese album, and I heard, right. I'm not, and, and, and there's a deep self-confidence, which is not, arrogance but just self-confidence of like i want this done i'm the only one who can do it i gotta get up and do it yeah yeah i think that's important i think that's probably the drive that that sentiment yeah are you really positive inside like your self-talk or you kind of get down on yourself well there's several layers to my self-talk i really talk to myself all the time to the point where i don't know if i'm speaking out loud sometimes or (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, you walk into a restroom and you're like by yourself and someone you realize someone's in the thing. You're like, fuck. <laughs> you're like, was I talking out loud? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so there's like I really am very hypercritical of myself um, all the time on the surface level. So like me and you talking, I'm like, like dissing the shit out of myself, you know. But then inside, I am like the most high – high level 
like supportive higher spirit self to myself like um very gentle and very loving and very positive and so that's kind of the thing that that probably is attracting things to me in my life um because it comes from that place thank god because the other place is like <laughs> i wish i wrote chief keef shit i don't like like that's me i'm like i don't like this i don't like this this is that's, you know what I mean? <laughs> But that's really important, not just as an artist, but as a person. A a lot of women, a lot of people in general are very negative to themselves and sending negative messages to themselves. And I consistently find on this show people who are successful are giving themselves positive messages. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think like, you know, a lot of people... See, there's this like, I've got this like weird duality happening because there's like the punk rock... Um, also my mom's from down south my dad's from like the projects in Philly real talk do you know what I mean there's this mm. like I like to keep shit like super real my, my dancers say I have truth Tourette's like I just- <laughs> <laughs> truth Tourette's yeah. what does that mean it's just like if it's true it's coming out of my mouth no matter like with no thought and how it's going to be said it's just like the harsh truth you know <laughs> can't control it give me an example um I'm sure, Tore, you've known me for a really long time. You've definitely heard my true threats at some point. <laughs> Anytime you probably got really mad at me. Probably... I've never. No, honestly, I we've been friends since you were a teenager. Right. Uh, I've never been. I, I've never been. I, I have I think you got mad at me into, one time. Bi- what? You got mad at me one time. Did I? Yeah, I don't remember what I've had about. big fights with your sister. I know. <laughs> she, she was my roommate for a few years. We got into a big fight. I love Simone now. We got into a big fight. But I don't think... It, it wasn't that big. Like, ours wasn't that big. But I just remember... I feel like I said something to you about an article. This is when you first started writing. And you got mad at me. But I don't remember really? what it was. Yeah, I remember that. Remember. I, I barely remember it either, but that's the only like even little like argument I remember getting into. With but you. you're really so good, and I really admire this new of of keeping your friends. You know, yeah. we go to a Santi party, and it's like, oh yeah, I've known her since first grade. Yeah, I've known him since third grade. You know, and and, and like you know, we're you know what twenty some years friends, and like you 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 just continue to hold on to people you like, and it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't you don't let it fade away. No, because I think that um, um, there's something really special about um, being able to surround yourself with people that that know you on that level um, through every phase of that you've had, you know, and all the different people. And I don't know, like a good friend is a good friend and they're hard to find. So I keep them. Um, but I'm always making new friends, too, because as you move through all the different phases of your life, you sort of need different types of yeah. Uh, support and camaraderie and so it's cool because you always get new friends yeah but you keep the old friends and then you just like have all these friends so okay and this level of being a star being an artist trying to figure out this world can you name somebody who's been a helpful advisor or sounding board or like hey you have a record deal you're going through this stuff what what should i do in this situation Okay, so like friends that I've met kind of in the same world as me. Yeah, like is there a recording artist who's like you're able to lean on? I mean, just at different moments in life, there's been different ones like since I got into this. And um, like I remember one of the earliest things that was so wonderfully sweet was when I first, first started touring and I was really struggling with losing my voice. And I remember Bjork sent me the best email ever. And it was like just so thorough and detailed of like 
totally like I understand how depressing it could be when you can't hang out with everyone. You have to be in your room because you have to be on vocal rest and this and that. This is what I do on the airplane. This is what I do. This is what I mean. It was just like a gem, you know, and I, I remember feeling so, so grateful for that. Um, I have I remember talking to Pharrell when I was making my second record and feeling really like down on myself and not confident. And he's like has like the most confidence. Like he's so like connected to that part of himself. And he gave me this wonderful advice there. Um, I talked to Karen O a lot about like being a mom and and trying to, um, you know, be a kick ass performer and like keep making music and, you know, figure out what to do next. So I have a lot of friends like that who are like, Right now, that's where I'm at. So, like, the new moms, um, working moms who have, like, crazy superwoman jobs. Like, who who else in that in that mom artist Like, uh, Olivia Wilde. Um, Brooklyn Massive. Yeah, yeah. But she's here, and our, our, our boys are friends, so they're, they're pretty crazy. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so there's lots to talk about there, and... Um, uh, Diplo has these two little boys who are adorable and like, but that's different because he's not a woman. So, and you know, he's, it's different. It is different. I mean, I have I have resisted asking you and other women on this show. So, how's it being a mom and a artist, actress, or whatever? It's insane. But because I would not ask a man, right? How's it being an actor and a dad? Like, right? Duh. Well, it's a very different thing. But it's different. And yeah. it, 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 as a parent, I can see no matter how invested the dad tries to be. I could never do. She, the mom has to do at least sixty to seventy percent of the work. Well, I mean, I've been traveling and I've her. literally been like pumping breast milk like everywhere I go and like begging the hotel to like freeze the milk and then like I mean then like going on stage and then like oh my god, you don't even know like seriously. <laughs> Like there's so much, like even physically so much that you have to just act like isn't happening, you know, to to keep going. And it's just so it's so hard. So you definitely need those friends who can understand because, you know, in general, um, the uh, the other moms, you know, in your kids class, for example, is not going to have those same experiences. So you do have to seek out friends who can who can relate and sort of like offer you some sort of like um, support or encouragement or experience moms too the 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 imperative to see and touch and kiss and hug the children constantly um is stronger it is and like women don't have it though but i i mean you know if i had to go on a three-month tour i would miss my kids immensely but i'm like i'm taking care of my family but like i imagine for a woman that would be very 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 difficult yeah yeah, I don't know. And It'd I cannot really take hard. my kids through Europe through this. Like, uh, I don't know. Like three weeks even would be hard. I mean, I did a tour with Radic um, before he started school on the tour bus. It was for like five months, but it was like the best experience of his two-year-old life. He, like, he <laughs> loved it. He's like, tour bus. Now he's like, this, I love this. This is like a hotel. One room service. Tour bus. Like, like, he's just, like, like he just, everywhere we go, he's like, this is like a hotel. Like he like loves <laughs> hotels. He loves tour buses. He loves airplanes. So... Yeah, I mean, it can be done. But I remember this, though. I remember when I was preparing to go on tour, and uh, I literally Googled, like, how to take a crib on a tour bus. There was one thing that came up, and it was like, when I custom-built my tour bus, I whatever. And I was like, okay, that's not helpful. (laughs) You know, but there's a lot of really having to – you feel very isolated and very alone when you you have to face these challenges because – 
there's nothing on Google for you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no. What's the difference between being a good music maker and being a great one? I think a lot of it's natural talent. I think a lot of it is um, time to cultivate um, instinct, timing. Um, care do you know what i mean you have to care to be to 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 make the difference to go from the one to the other you know which means care about the audience care about the art you have to care about bridging that gap becoming that you have to you have to want to be the best at what you do not the you not not for the money not for the fame not for anything you have to want your art to be great and I think for some people, they're not even in it for that at all. They don't care about that. What, what they, they care about just oh money. God. Well, a lot of people are in it for money. money. A lot of people are in it for fame. A lot of people are in it for competition. You know, I want to stay relevant. I want to stay at the top. I want the best wife. I want the best, you know, I want the best partner, you know. And then, um, but if you want to be the greatest, it has nothing to do with any of that stuff. It has to be, it has to do with you pushing yourself to be better all the time and then like and also your taste you know what I'm saying yeah like what is great yeah. you know you don't seem to really be caught up in fame I don't I don't care about that at all in fact I don't it frightens me fame frightens you yeah what do you mean um I'm not into that so much you know like that's the part that like kind of comes along that that's totally the it's the Opposite of what my personality desires. Like, if str for strangers to know who you are, that frightens you. Um, the idea of having to be on all the time, or like being like watched, or like having to, like I remember, and you know, I mean, there's certain things that are, like I have this comical story about. I, I basically, luck, luckily, like don't have any problems walking down the street, like in general. <laughs> I mean, I can go anywhere. You don't usually get recognized. No. And if I do, I don't notice. I'm really clueless, too. So, like, to me, no one ever knows who I am, and I'm totally free to be or do whatever I want. But, of course, there are moments where it's, like, the shocking reality that that's not the case happens. Like, it happens, you know, fairly enough that, like, it changes. I have, like, a paranoia about it, you know? But um, I remember... This one time, I mean, for instance, right, I'm out to dinner with my mom and my crazy aunt and like they're talking. Who knows what the fuck's coming out of their mouth? <laughs> the whole family. They're from Mississippi. Super loud. I love Dr. White. <laughs> and then at the end of the dinner, and, and I mean, it was definitely like all kinds of shit being said. I don't even know what. Right. <laughs> and someone's like comes up and they're like, oh, my God, I just want to tell you that. And I'm like, you just heard the entire conversation of my <laughs> fucking crazy family <laughs> like that frightens me you know what I mean and then like um I remember this one time I went to get a salad at Sweet Greens in Brooklyn and I had just come from getting a pedicure and I had like the paper slippers on and like I looked crazy I I tend to go out looking crazy like I like to you know what I mean I'm just like <laughs> like not crazy in a good way like crazy like I just roll out of bed and I don't care and um and I was getting a salad. I was standing at the counter and... Paper shoes. Paper shoes, like <laughs> one leg down, one leg up, you know, just like crazy. And my song came on, which I also get very embarrassed when my music comes on when I'm places. 
But this day, we're, I didn't notice. Sorry. Lights out. Uh-huh. I didn't notice. I just, because it's like, those songs are just in my body. Like, I, if you ask me what the lyrics were, I can't tell you. But once it comes on, I just like know it. So I didn't even notice it came on. I just started singing at the counter. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, ah, it's out there, whatever. And then I turn around and there's this guy like over there staring at me. And he just looks at me and I go, oh, my mouth falls open. And he goes, no way. <laughs> and I just started cracking up. It's just like, oh my god! Like I'm such an idiot, you know what I mean? But like, that was a funny one. But like, there's, 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 there's kind of scary ones, you know? Scary? What do you mean, scary ones? Well, you go to a doctor, you know, or like, and something crazy happens, you know. I don't want to put anybody on blast because I don't want anybody getting in trouble. But like, there's like weird stuff that happens. Oh. For example, this is an example. Say you just found out you're pregnant right there and someone asked you for an autograph. And you're like, uh, I haven't told anyone, no one, no, my mom, no, you know what I mean? And that means, and an autograph for somebody else who they told that you were there. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Like I went to a funeral once and I walk in, um, young guy, so it was really tragic, suicide, really uh, tragic. And his mom was like, oh my God, Tori. And I'm like here, like low, like a mo, like my friend committed suicide. But this was his mother? Yes. And she was so excited to see me. I know, but that's kind of nice. She, she knew it was it was nice and to be but there for her. But weird for you. Mo- yes. Yeah. And, I'm, and we're like in completely different emotional positions. She's like, oh my God, I'm so excited to finally meet you. And I'm right. like, I'm so sad that your son did it. But how awesome that you brought her up like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a weird story like that. So there was like a famous person at my father's funeral and some fucking bitch asked me to get her an autograph at my dad's funeral. What? Yes. So that's what I'm saying. So it's like you, you said fame. No. You crazy. Said, you said no. I said, hell no. Get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> And she was a relative. I was like, are you crazy? No. Oh, on a day like that, you could say anything that you want. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? People act crazy around fame. It's a, it's a crazy, scary thing how people act. And, you know, like a lot of really famous people have like terrible stalkers and like yeah. things. That, I mean, it's just like, and now with the internet, like I've had people like look over my gate, like, Hey, does Santi Gold live here? You know what I mean? Like, and I'm telling you, and nobody knows who I am. So if this has happened to me, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Right. It's weird. Right. What are some of your goals and dreams for the next five years? Well, I've just really realized lately that life is moving really, really fast, like really fast. And so my main goal is to slow it down a little bit and be able to live more in the present and just not be always like late and always trying to do like 50 things at once, but to be able to like experience things kind of like how I did when I was a child. Cause I remember things slow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I remember watching lint in the sunlight. <laughs> I do <laughs> for long periods of time. You know what I mean? I remember laying on the floor and, and, and reading the lyrics to like four full records on a Saturday you know, um, and now with these phones and these screens and all the social media and all the things that you're supposed to do to promote yourself and whatever, you are just missing it. Like, we're just missing it. Like, life is so quick. And now I heard that time actually is moving faster. It is? Yeah. How's that possible? I don't know. Some physics shit. I don't really. 
<laughs> How can you move faster? It is, though. It really is. So <laughs> just okay. look it up. Look okay. it up. <laughs> but, I mean, I just feel like I don't want to be, like, rushing through life. Like, yeah. some of the things I've done are amazing, you know? Yeah. And I remember, like, even, like, climbing Kilimanjaro. That was a big thing that I did. But I remember I, like, got home from a tour, trained for Kilimanjaro, climbed Kilimanjaro. Then I, like, went straight into, like, the day next day. I was, like, recording my record. And it was just, like, somebody's like, how was it? And I was, like... I don't really know. Like, I didn't have a moment to, I mean, now I do because it kind of settled and I, you know, and I like, I remember and I have amazing pictures and I knew it would be like that. But in the moment, it was just like, I just moved so fast from one thing to the next thing to the next. And um, talking about great artists and stuff, like, do you think like Leonardo da Vinci was, was moving that fast? No. Right? Do you think these like geniuses who have like shaped culture and society were moving that fast? No. Mm-hmm. And so like we're all gonna be like at a major loss for, for moving so fast. And all this technology is actually killing our planet and we're not even gonna have a place to live. We're gonna be gone. You know, if we don't stop. I'm not I'm not like I'm not like <laughs> there is a change that can be made. But like I don't know, I think it's too far. No, I think we can slow it down. We can we can do better. We can do better. We've definitely permanently ruined some things, but we can do better. But my point is, like, we're moving so fast, and we think all this stuff, this fast stuff is, like, helping us, but there needs to be balance, and right now there's not at all. So, like, my goals for the future are to really enjoy my life. That's, like, my biggest priority. Well, you must be really enjoying your life at this point because you you made a choice to become an artist it's working out for you. You do it the way you want to do it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, right? I mean, like, you, I mean, are you not like, this is, this is going pretty good. This, t- this trip around is going pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, they are obviously like, sometimes it's really hard. Like, for instance, having children um, in the middle of like kind of, trying to be an artist because I felt like my clock was ticking and like you know and so then your mama clock yeah Mm -hmm. and then so that that's hard but also it's like the most rewarding amazing thing I'm so excited about it and I really I can't believe I just had twins I like hit the jackpot I was like amazed you think that twins is a jackpot to me a boy and a girl I was like running out of time and I get a boy and a girl twins I was I was amazed I was was praying for not twins it's I can understand that no it's really hard hard. just changing and keeping up with one no that's so hard and then two no it's so hard but at the same time in a little while it'll just be like I have like two more kids that are like not as hard you know what I mean like that that's the goal this part is insane and it's really hard oh i know you're further along you're like no that's not there it goes but you know i can handle even the four-year-old i can handle a little bit better i mean it's the hard part is when they like can't sit up and can't hold their head up and all that stuff it's like i can't it's freaky yeah it's hard um but um so you know being a woman in this career has been really challenging and sometimes very difficult you know um but then there's this sort of like driving like ambition that I have that also can be a little bit challenging as a mom because then I'm like I feel super guilty when I'm not like really hands on and all around. But then I'm watching everybody else do all this stuff and I'm like, I'm behind. I'm behind. Like I'm like always, you know, not saying that I'm comparing myself, no, no. but like, you know, but you still always like 
man, like all these people have been working all these years and I've been having babies. And like, you know, I mean, there's all that stuff. That's all like internal crazy stuff that like we do to ourselves, you know, the ambition and all that stuff. What is the ambition for? To... To continue to successfully create my ideas. Who are the people you you mentioned who you're watching? Like, oh, she put out an album. He put out an album. Who who are those people? Mm, I like, don't know. Who you consider your class that you're? I mean, there's so many people for different reasons. It's just whenever. Okay, I'm one of those people. Like, whenever somebody does something really good, I'm like. Like, oh, I know. Oh, <laughs> do you I know. know what I mean? I, oh, I could have written like, that. Well, I not, not necessarily I couldn't have written that, no, but that's like, what, that's I should what, be I doing stuff like this. I should be doing stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's all over the place. I don't know. I don't really want to name people, but like, it's all over the place. People that you would never think I would thought of it or people that you would like, and it's really not about them. It's like, it's really about like, wow, they're really, they're really doing stuff. Yeah. And so if there's too long, I've been like this since I was a child. This is like deep, deeply within me. Um, I used to like get depressed if I didn't feel like I was doing stuff. Not like yeah. depressed, depressed, but like, you know, I would get down if I was bored. Like it didn't feel good. Right. And I would be like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And I'm just like an ideas person. And that kind of fuels me. Um, so when I feel like I, I hate when I have ideas and I talk about them and they don't happen. Right. I hate it. Right. I don't want to be that person. I got to be a finisher. Got to finish it. Yeah. So like if I have started something and it's not done, then yeah. I'm like, it's the, not that. It the me books, happy. plural, they that are read. in my computer oh, that will not be finished, fucking kills me. I know. Me. I don't even read anymore at all. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't. I can't. I like. No, but I want to finish. I had of an course. idea. I put in this effort. Oh, oh that, you, that you're writing. The books that you're writing. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. The books that I'm writing. Right, not right, the right, reading. Right. The books right. that I was trying to create. I got to finish it. Of and course. I didn't finish that. Ah, I know. Me. And then you probably think of like a new one every day. Yeah. Well, not every day, but you know what I mean. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's that type of, I mean, that's like that artist drive, you know? And so um, what did you ask me if I was happy? What did you ask yeah. me? Yeah. You're happy with your life? This right. Time, this is right. pretty good for you. So yeah. So I am very, very happy. But then there's always that like, that heart of myself, you know, um, I'm not doing enough. This I'm not, I'm not a present enough mom. I'm not, I'm not a present enough artist. I'm not, you know what I mean? So it's this weird um, balancing game. Thanks to Santi for a great interview, and thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. I'm on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and tell your homies about the show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Chris Colbert, with help from Candid Nicole and our photographer, Chuck Marcus. We'll be back next Wednesday with more knowledge from amazing folks because the man can't shut us down. Just because it's Halloween doesn't mean that you have to look scary. Scotchporter.com slash Torrey. S-C-O-T-C-H-P-O-R-T-E-R dot com slash T-O-U-R-E.